Hey, welcome to Check It Out. I'm Stefan Doina. And I'm Lindsay Miller. Thanks so much for joining us again. We're really excited to jump right back into Ready, Willing, and Wired Part 2, the second half of our interview with Stephen Stone. Your support over the past few weeks has been the best. We're really grateful for so many of you reaching out to say hi and send in your thoughts. We've learned so much so far. For instance, while the majority of listeners are in the U.S., we also have a large number in Canada. And we learned we even have a few in Australia and a few in Italy. I'm hoping those two subscribers are Marco's parents. You know what else I learned? That when I record from home, I sound like some guy in his parents' basement, unpacking some serious conspiracy theories on YouTube. Well, just be glad you didn't have laryngitis like I got last week. Anyways, let's get back to the show, and here's part two of our interview with co-creator and executive producer Stephen Stone. We wanted to make sure to talk about this cast that we love. Love. Um, yeah, and as you were talking about, like, the the childhood experiences going into those young adult experiences. Like one of my favorite moments from this first episode is just the four main kids playing together on, on the play the, set. The tire. Yeah. The and like, spinning around with water guns. Yeah. Like shooting water guns yeah. at each other, having like some of those childhood moments while they're talking about this complex issue. Um, how did you cast for the show? What kind of chemistry were you looking for between the kids and how did you know you had this right crew? Well, of course, you don't know until you you go on, onto the air. But the key um, element to casting, which is different in uh, most other shows uh, involving kids, is, uh, and Linda was always very firm about this, is casting age appropriate. And, um, you know, she's fond of saying, that yes, as as in American shows where you can have a twenty five year old or a thirty year old even playing playing high school, and they may look <laughs> the part. I mean, they may have a baby face and be able to get away with it. <laughs> Stephanie, I can see you pointing at yourself. I'll be I'll be the on the next uh, version now. I'll just play an eighth grader. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, but somebody who's older um, subconsciously brings to the character experience. Um, a wisdom that just is not there in, uh, you know, a 12 year old or a 13 year old. And so we were not looking, particularly in the early days, for uh, accomplished actors, because at 12 year old, you're not going to be an accomplished actor. And there weren't that many in Canada anyway. Um, we were looking for vulnerability um, and directability. Mm-hmm. Uh, which requires, uh, you know, an intelligence and an, an ability to uh, be self-reflective. The vulnerability is something uh, you just see. I, I, I'm amazed by actors. Um, I don't know if you've done any acting. I haven't, and I, and I can't imagine myself doing it because you're there, uh, whether if it's on the stage, uh, you've got an audience. If it's on a film or television set, you've got an audience of like 40 people in the crew around you. And even though you're playing another person, if it's going to come across to the audience, you are revealing the depths of your own soul. That is coming through in the acting. And if you can't reveal the depths of your own soul, which, which is a, you know, a heartbreaking and very difficult experience, then for, it just doesn't come across. Mm-hmm. So in the, um, in the casting sessions, we're looking at some, for somebody who can be vulnerable. And then we'd say, well, can you do that again? 
but uh, can you make it angrier? And to see how they react to that, or can you can you make it more lighthearted, lighthearted, and a bit more sarcastic? And to see, even if they don't do it well, if they if they understand what you're saying and and and, and attack it that way, that sort of adds on to it. You got those two, um, and you know, with certain characters, you want them to look a certain way. You know, if they look vaguely in that direction, then then you go for it. But we we cast hundreds and hundreds of people before we came. Onto the uh, onto the cast. We we in, re- in every year. We remember. I mean, we were talking about this at the first episode. How like the 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 uh, the cast they were really dressed the way we were dressed in in middle school. I mean, everything yeah. from like, uh, you know, JT's hat and his his necklace to um like uh, Toby's cargo shorts. I mean, just like everything we we kind of would pick apart and 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 relate to. Um, do you remember that first day on set, like meeting Miriam and, and, and Jake and, um, sorry, uh, Miriam, I'm, try, I'm trying off the top of my head. To like, Cassie. Cassie. <laughs> just wait, wait, just, see, yeah, yeah, you're like me, by the way. I, and, and the, the cast got to know this. I would quite often, I would speak with Miriam and I'd call her Miriam or I'd speak with, I'd call her Emma mm-hmm. and they just all got used to it because, you know, it just went back and forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was Cassie, Miriam, uh, uh, Jake and Ryan. There I go. Um, there. So, right. I mean, yeah. do you remember first meeting them that first day of shooting? Do you remember what the scene was and like just what the energy was? Uh, I don't remember that because remember that we shoot scenes out of order. Out of so order. I, True. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I remember the first scene. What I really remember and remember very fondly was the first read through. And um, we would hold like you'd go through several drafts of the script and then about three weeks to maybe a month before going to where you'd have a read through. In most television shows, um, the cast would be sent out copies of the script and uh, they would come to the read through sort of knowing, knowing what's going on and knowing a bit and bringing their own sense of the character to it and then you'd read it through in our case we never did that mm-hmm. they would arrive without having read the script it would be face down in front of them just like an exam wow. and they would turn it over we would start a stopwatch and just when you saw your name you would read the next lines and it didn't matter if you didn't understand a word or you fumbled or whatever and we would just watch the reaction of the kids as they were uh, saying the lines and afterwards and this was an incredibly important part of the uh, of the entire process we would have a long conversation where we would ask them to comment on what they just happened and particularly what had happened to their character and what did they think about that Mm -hmm. and was there anything that had happened like that to them in their real life and the writers would take all that in and uh, and it would help them not just for that episode but for for future episodes so i don't recall specifically um, you know, Miriam saying something that changed the script. I mean, that, that was a long time ago. But I do remember we were upstairs um, in a, 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 you know, a, a really kind of crowded space, and there was just a buzz of excitement in the air. Mm-hmm. And as we went around, I'm a crier, so <laughs> I was just sort of, I was sitting there, you know, with sort of my hand in my eye, just pretending there was some dirt in my eye <laughs> <laughs> as I was listening to this first episode getting ready to go. That's so lovely. And they seem like, like they, I mean, they, again, the chemistry, I'm just wondering if they immediately clicked on set and just because it seemed like it was just the four of them for that first, that pilot. Um, everybody became friends. 
um, some people worked better together than others. And that was something that as you're shooting, the writers can make adjustments for because they can realize a couple of things. One is, oh, well, this character really does seem to have uh, chemistry with that character. And you can think about that as you're writing future episodes. And also you can think, well, no, this character really has a comedic sense of timing. That doesn't, you know, it wasn't that we were producing comedy, but they would just instinctively pause at the right point and then then sort of come in with with the line and so we'll play that uh, that character for for some more of the comedic side so uh, we just sort of learn as we were going along did we did we discuss review i mean just sort of like what the response was in terms of reviews and and no, we haven't talked about that yeah i was just just wondering like um when when you start to see those roll in after a premiere i mean what what were those like were they talking about like you know new you know preteen drama on you know i'm just wondering what what sort of the response was because the show ran for so long i mean yeah but well in the early days i don't recall them as being over the top good I and mean, I, I think there was there was this sense so oh well they're bringing it back so it was exciting but um you know a little bit of been there done that particularly in in canada but we were very encouraged by the the numbers and the ratings on the end mm -hmm. um and uh and ctv was encouraging but we were still learning i i think it took us until about third season where we really started to get our stride uh we were uneven in the first couple of years mm -hmm. i you know, I'd have to go back. We we kept a large book. There were two books that we kept. One was uh, sort of clippings through the ages, which, of course, got bigger and bigger as it went along. Uh, the other was a book that Linda had behind her desk, um, and she called it Why We're Doing What We're Doing. <sighs> and in many ways, that was the more important type of reviews. And um, particularly back in those days, you'd get letters you know, written letters, and maybe they're, they might be typed, but they'd come in through the mail. And, you know, some of them were really heartwarmingly nice uh, to hear. They'd be stories like a mother writing in and, and saying, um, I just wanted to say that I saw those episodes with Marco and his, and his coming out, and I hadn't spoken to my son in 10 years. And after that episode, I'm tearing up as I think as I say this, I, I reach out to my son and I want, want you to know that we're back together again and we're communicating. Well, you know, if, if you, even just getting one of those letters makes you just want to carry on and try even harder and do things. And we got lots of those letters. And that, that's that's really sweet. And I think that that's one of the episodes, Lindsay and I, you know, as we were going through episodes, noticed that that was handled so sen with so much sensitivity and really holds up to today. I mean, it, it just yeah. is like one of those episodes I think that kids or teenagers or parents could watch and it, it just is handled so well and, and really beautifully done. Well, and that was a, a writer, Aaron Martin, who, who worked on that and himself was gay. What we didn't know when we cast Adamo for the part, we had no idea he was gay and I don't think he knew he was gay. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually, he, he talks about it now uh, how um, in some ways his own life, like he came out to friends before in real life, mm -hmm. uh, before he came out and he came out to his mother before his father. It actually followed a not dissimilar uh, trajectory to mm -hmm. uh, to Marco's coming out. But, but what I loved about that 
story was uh, with Spinner and just Spinner's horrible, you know, horrible reaction. And but in the end, coming around and understanding that 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 there was a friendship and a love there at the end of the day when Spinner when it finally hit Spinner and 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 he realized um, what it was all about. That, yeah, that's one of my favorite storylines. That was in, and which was incredibly ahead of its time. I mean, the way just the way he just that character comes around and and he sort of redeems himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you revisit the show ever? And if so, how do you think it holds up? Like those big storylines. Um, it, I haven't watched the show in quite a while. Um. It, you know, an entire episode. I mean, I'll see some sometimes on YouTube. I'll sort of see something, and you get drawn into uh, mm-hmm. to some of the things. Fans have been fantastic in terms of putting together compilations of their favorite scenes, and and uh, you know, sometimes I'll I'll go down the rabbit hole and just sort of <laughs> click, 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 and it's really, really fun. But I haven't gone back to analyze um, or really look at at full episodes. Um, if uh, Degrassi does get rebooted, and I'm not, you know, coming out with any, you know, startling or information here because I don't have any information on that. <laughs> um, but to me, it is. Um, I think it will get rebooted because everything is getting rebooted, and we need Degrassi now. I mean, it's I think we're, we're coming rebootable. Out of the I mean, yeah, uh, and yeah. it's like every generation way, can be revisited. And yeah. there's so much has changed and, now. Uh, yes, and I would call it, by the way, Degrassi, A New Hope. Oh. <laughs> the, the first Star, Star Trek episode was episode four, which was episode four, A New Hope. Right. <laughs> or Star Wars. Star actually. Wars. <laughs> I think. Um, but, but, but I think we really are in a time of A New Hope now. I mean, I think mental health is uh, an extraordinary issue and is people don't understand mental health and i'm not saying i understand mental health but people have preconceptions about what it is and and what it does to people well whatever it is um you know it's rampant now Mm -hmm. uh after covid and after what we've been through and a lot of people have had a time for self-reflection and you know and on the positive side and, and and there's been some worse sides to it um it is a new beginning that that we're having and um, young people today really uh, have a chance to do what we old folks weren't able to do. I, I was a child of the sixties, so we thought we were going to change the world back then. And we did some good things. There were some good positive things that happened back in the sixties, but the world is in a messy place right now. Mm-hmm. And it's up to, it's up to you and people younger even than you to, uh, to really do it. And they're up for it. When I talk with um, youth today, they want to save the world, and I encourage them. I, I'm the chancellor at a university here uh, outside Toronto, and whenever I'm talking with them, I actually use the phrase "a new hope." Um, I say they are the new hope, and that we're all a small rebel force out to <laughs> save the world. And but they are. That's what they want to do. Um, and I thank thank the Lord for them. And, and just so and, you know, I, I, I think tell their story. Just so you know, I think there's a lot of comfort in nostalgia, and I think why we started this podcast to begin with was, uh, you know, obviously we were we were in lockdown. Lindsay and I weren't able to hang out. One of our our 
hallmarks of our friendship is we we love watching TV and discussing and um, we were wa- revisiting Degrassi on YouTube and we were just because yeah. we we had watched it in the past but we also started realizing a lot of our friends were were watching it as well and we just started sort of started discovering so many people that we didn't know had grown up with it and it was such a comfort during the pandemic um, to sort of be able to escape for a bit but like go back to like a better time in a way and and uh, even yeah. though like middle school is sort of traumatic for everybody <laughs> in, in its own way but um you know have those discussions again and and um it was very comforting um so i i would ask you know 20 years later you know you, you said you not as much but like what would stand out to you what are you most proud of which i i think this is a little bit of a repeat question but you know do you have a favorite memory a favorite episode something that just sticks out to you um you, you know linda and i are fond of saying you know asking for a favorite episode is like asking a parent if mm. he or she has a favorite child <laughs> uh, you, you don't want to do that certainly one that stands out is the time stand still episode um, mm-hmm. with the, the school shooting yeah because it, that was so out of the ordinary and it is so wrong to have a gun at a school and uh and of course um you know the fact that you know, Jimmy, who got shot, is now, you know, one of the most famous people in the world Yeah, uh, is part of it. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but still, again, I'm pleased with how we went about that episode. We flew up Barbara Colorosa, who wrote The Bully, The Bullied, and The Bystander about the Columbine shooting. Mm. And her thesis, so, so she gave us seminars on this, and her thesis was, yeah, you can recognize who the bully is and who the bullied are. And the interesting thing about there is that quite often their roles reverse, uh, which which happened in, in the Time Stand Still episode. I mean, Rick was a bully and then he became bullied and then he became a bully again. But she said the real perpetrators are the bystanders, the people who are standing by and not and seeing the situation but not seeing the situation and not doing anything about it and in the uh, columbine case she she felt they handled it very incorrectly at the end by not replacing the entire school board and the school administration Mm -hmm. that there needed to be a cleansing of the house and you may recall in the next uh, episode or few after uh, the time stand still episode we replaced the school principal but just going through something um it would be very easy to do just a very dramatic uh, show about a school shooting and, and and the horror that follows. But what we really wanted to do was show the two sides of Rick. I mean, why he did it, and 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 hopefully you can watch it and actually feel sympathy for him, which is you know astounding to to think of. But um, you know, he he was bullied as well as being a bully. He was not a likable character, but he was a human being. And um, and then finally, at the very end, um, I, I particularly like the the song at the end. We were having some trouble getting the, the right tone at the ending of the show. Mm-hmm. And by chance, I had uh, been listening to uh, an artist, uh, an indie artist who was just releasing a, a record in Canada, Melissa McClellan, and she had a song called Rooftop which um, included the lines, I am playing God. Uh, and um, and it ends with saying, I am all alone. And 
And so we basically played, I think it was about four minutes. The end of the show is just playing that song for the four minutes and mm -hmm. watching the faces of people reacting to the news and the aftermath. And I think in many ways, that was absolutely the best way to end the, the, the show. It wasn't trying to, you know, pontificate or having, it was just, you know, let's just think about what went on. So that's a, a favorite episode. Yeah, it was a, a chill, <laughs> chilling episode. And like, it, I, I remember it so, so well. And I, I think, I mean, was there, did it feel like for you the right time to tackle something like that? And, and what was it that sort of just, I mean, because it, it, it really did kind of, that was the episode that really just kind of shocked everybody and, and, and took it to a whole new level in a way. Yes. I mean, there are, there are a number of episodes which have shocked people. Uh, that was certainly one. I mean, the death of JT yeah. was another. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and Adam's death was another. Mm -hmm. And of course, the suicide, Cam's, uh, Cam's suicide. Mm -hmm. um, they're all stories that need to be told. And it's not always, um, oh, you decide now is the right time. It's just, yeah, the circumstances come together. You've got the right writer and the, and the right um, ability. For example, uh, with Cam's suicide, we thought for years, how do you tell a story about suicide? And in Degrassi, you have to be telling the story to a main character. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, Degrassi is not the show where you bring in a character for three weeks and they have an abortion or no. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> So um, we, when, we, um, uh, when we were casting Dylan, and we didn't know that, that he would end up committing suicide, there was a couple of things that happened. First of all, we thought he was a fantastic actor, and, and he was, became a real favorite amongst our fans. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, the, the family had plans to move, so we didn't think we would have him uh, on a longer-term contract. Mm -hmm. And so we approached him with the idea of, well, uh, what would you think about, you know, by episode, I think it was 32, uh, that you're written out of the show. Even up until, oh, a week before we were shooting, um, we still were playing with the idea, does he survive? Mm. Because, and particularly by that point, he wasn't moving. <laughs> and, and then he would have, and he was loving doing the show and he wanted to stay on at the show. But we thought, no, no, we've built it up over 32 episodes. We've shown that there's this really popular guy who seems to have, he's a great hockey player. Everybody loves him. You know, he's got everything. But the face of mental illness is not what we think it is. And, um, and the, the the proper thing to do is to carry on with our storyline, and uh, and we did. You, I was going to ask you if that was a similar topic with uh, JT, because I remember watching everyone's reaction uh, in the reading room because they had you had released oh. a video, and it was um, so visceral, and everyone was so so heartbroken. But I'll, I'll tell you one story mm. about that. Linda and I were uh, asked to speak at Yale University one time to a, a, a group of uh, I think they were fourth year students. And we thought we would be asked questions, and indeed we were, about you know the future of television and how do you do a television show and what's the demographics of this and that. The very first question which came up from the crowd was, how could you have killed JT? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we were wondering who you are still in contact with from the show, either the cast or the creators. Um, we, we're not, because of COVID, 
over the past 18 months, we haven't been in touch with too many people. Now, you may have seen our ATX uh, panel at the Austin Television Festival. Um, that was, uh, we, we had a bunch of the Degrassi cast on there, and that was a blast seeing them. Um, you know, we do stay in touch with Stefan Brogren, uh, Mr. Simpson, but also he became one of our key directors on the series. Yeah. And, you know, we have, you know, contact with, with various of the writers. But I can't wait until we can, you know, we can get this COVID thing behind us and can have a real reunion. The last time I really saw a bunch of the the early cast in particular together was a Drake was doing his I'm Upset video. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, he, and, he, and he shot it, I, I think it was in, in August. I remember it was a beautiful day. They shot it over three days. Um, <clears throat> and I was there on the final day. And it was really weird because I, you know, we'd... Um, we'd sold the company. So I was used to sort of driving into the number one parking spot and just getting <laughs> up and walking in the building. So I park all the way down the street and tread, trudge up, have to identify myself for the security <laughs> at the front and then go in and you're just walking through. And, um, you know, I was talking, talking with Stefan and Stefan said, Oh, there's somebody over there who wants to talk to you. And it's Aubrey and you hug <laughs> and you do this. And then you walk on and there's Nina and there's Cassie and they're, they're all there. And it was a beautiful summer night. And if you've seen the I'm Upset video, I mean, it's a wacky script. Kevin Smith wrote the script. Yeah. Uh, and I ran and spent a long time with Kevin there. And it was just one of those really perfect times where that was the kind of reunion you want to have. Anyway, I'd love to, when we get all of this pandemic over with, to get everybody back together again and, um, you know, just have a blast. Hopefully soon. Yeah. And, and I know you said that you have no, you know, intel on, on a Gen Z version of Degrassi. But if it were to happen, what do you think it would look like? Well, I think it will be, obviously, it'll be meant for streaming. Um, I, I think of three things. One, we've got to recognize that TikTok is part of our generation yeah yeah um so so there's going to have to be some tim tiktokable moments i mean just 10 seconds that could be streamed over tiktok i mean we, we need to relate in some way uh um, outside of the show itself secondly i've talked about mental health i think it has to do an, an awful lot with uh, with mental health and some of the big issues of our time like climate you know the the pandemic has sort of taken the front stage from what may be the real existential issue, which is climate. So you've got you've got those things overlaid on just keeping to the central heart of the series. You are not alone. You are empowered. Uh, you have the ability to make choices, but every choice has a consequence. And you've been such a pleasure to have. Yeah, and we, so we're so honored to have you. And when we actually look forward to having you on again, um, at some point soon. Um, is there anything you're working on right now or is there anything you want to give us a shout out or plug? You say you have some something you're working on. Well, yes, I've just come from the studio. I'm doing an audiobook version of my, my book called Whatever It Takes, mm -hmm. uh, which, which, which came out a few years ago, but I really enjoyed writing that and it, it brought back a lot of memories. I think some people were disappointed because a lot of the book is about Degrassi, but a lot of the book is about other things. It's secretly about what it means to be successful, which I think is good. So if you haven't read the book, read it, buy it, 
give it to your friends. Um, And then I hope that the next time I'm on here, it's because uh, there's some announcement. I don't Mm -hmm. think it will be imminent, but, you know, maybe it will be. Who knows that there is a Degrassi reboot and uh, and we can actually start as the reboot comes out. Maybe we can go back and analyze episodes as they're coming out. uh, We we would love that. And we would love to have you in studio with us to do that. So we'll who knows knows, or we'll we'll travel to you. But um, it, again, such a pleasure to have you and such Thank an you honor. So and we're so happy to celebrate, you know, 20 years of the next generation. And hopefully we'll we'll see a new generation soon. <laughs> <laughs> a new hope. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can always email us at checkitoat at gmail.com or we're on Instagram at checkitout. One of the Degrassi episodes we'll be discussing coming up is family politics. If you were in a student election, we want to hear from you. Stefan told me to say that you can slide into his DMs too, I assume for professional podcasting reasons, at the right Stefan. That's the W R I T E Stefan. Thanks, Lindsay. Anyway, we here at Check It Out want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. We have some super exciting guests lined up for you after the holiday break, so you can expect to hear from us very soon. Please make sure to subscribe so you can stay in the know. Until then, enjoy your time off, and we'll see you when class is back in session.